Good evening, and welcome to the Laurel Church of Christ Wednesday night service. My name is Jeff Watson, and this quarter we will be studying the book of Ecclesiastes. As we enter our study, I would ask you to consider a couple scriptures. In 1 Corinthians, now these things have to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Romans 15, 4 echoes this sentiment. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I would now ask that a panelist do the opening prayer for the class. Good evening, everyone. Let's, let us pray. Our Father and our God, we are so thankful uh, for this very day that you have given and this opportunity that we have uh, together and to open your word and, and to word to learn just what, what you have to say to us tonight. We just pray uh, that as we come to the study, we come with a, an open heart and open mind ready to receive uh, the instructions of, of life and how we are to conduct ourselves and how we are to live uh, as Christians here on this earth. Uh, we thank you for our teacher, Brother Jeff, and we pray that you would uh, be with him, uh, that you would bless him with a ready rec recollection of the things that he has prepared and has studied on our behalf. And we thank you for his willingness and, uh, and his uh, eagerness to teach, uh, to teach this class. Uh, we certainly pray for each and every student that is uh, gathered on the Zoom conference. Uh, we just pray for each and every family uh, that is represented as we all go through uh, this life and the challenges that we face. But uh, we just ask that you be with us tonight in our study. And in Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Thank you very much for those thoughts. For uh, typical, let's review the outline of the class. We spent the first two weeks doing a mini biography on Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes. We then spent two weeks looking at his other writings. And then the rest of the quarter, we will actually be looking at Ecclesiastes itself. So what we've learned so far about the class format, uh, we're again trying to be interactive here where we can. At times, I'll be asking people if they'd volunteer to read scriptures. Uh, you do so by raising your hand. We will also uh, occasionally will be asking questions and give you a chance to respond in chat. And of course, you can always respond with comments in chat whenever you wish. And we're also trying to have some polls to get people's ideas and thoughts on certain things. Uh, please participate in those. So the life of Solomon in three bullet points. We have God granting or giving Solomon three promises. Probably the most well-known one was his wise and discerning heart that would never be equal. He certainly had riches and honor beyond that of his peers, and he was conditionally granted long life. Solomon ruled Israel in what many would say would be its golden age when it was at its height of power and the territory it controlled. Also, Solomon built a temple and he built a palace, gardens, and uh, people visited from near and afar to ask him questions, to appeal to him, to hear his wisdom. But despite his great wisdom, Solomon did not listen to God when it came to marrying of foreign women, and uh, his heart was turned away, and he was not devoted to God. A review of what we learned from his other writings, we have the Song of Solomon, the love story, uh, very complimentary uh, comments going back and forth between the two. We have Psalm 127 that talks about God as your foundation and the blessing of children. Psalm 72 about 
the way a ruler should rule and what he should be concerned about. And of course, Proverbs, which contains just tons of information, definitely respecting fearing the Lord, uh, the value of wisdom and avoiding foolish behavior, I would say are the major things from Proverbs. And something I brought up last week, and I had these verses pop up, uh, essentially Ecclesiastes, as far as I know, was the final book and testament from the wisest man to have lived on this earth. Uh, and it's intimidating to try to add anything that he might have to say. So I encourage us all to listen to what Solomon has to say. And as it says in Matthew eleven fifteen, he who has an ears, let him hear. Okay, we're going to start off with the poll. It's a wonderful life. So if the uh, host will launch the poll, let's get some uh, feedback. We'll give you about 10 more seconds if you want to respond. Okay, please stop the poll and share the results. Okay, so uh, you can see for yourself that uh, for the most part, people love this movie. Nobody dislikes or hates it and a couple of people have no idea what I'm talking about. So let me tell you briefly, I actually met somebody who disliked this movie, and I'll tell you why. Um, they told me when they were introduced to the movie, uh, their parent called them in and said, hey, I want you to watch this movie with me. And they called them in at the part where George Bailey has just lost his bank. He goes home, he yells at his children, he yells at his wife, he yells at his children's teacher, he wrecks his car, and he gets into a fight at the bar. So needless to say, this made an impression on this person who didn't look at all of George Bailey's life, but just looked at a very short glimpse of it. So this person would have voted dislike for this. Uh, the reason I bring this up is to maybe think about how we view Solomon or how we view Ecclesiastes. If you just maybe read the first few verses of Ecclesiastes, you might really not be very impressed, or you might think, what an absolute downer this guy is. Uh, can I read something else? Okay, so we did uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 last week, and what were the main points from it? Well, after introducing himself as the author, he immediately hits us with this all-is-vanity statement. He talks about how there's really nothing new under the sun. The past, the present, the future are all the same. He also calls it striving after wind. And even Solomon, who lauded wisdom so much in Proverbs, talks about how in much wisdom there is much grief. But I say the main point I'd like to take out is the question he asked at the beginning of chapter one. And this is essentially why we are studying Ecclesiastes, to follow Solomon's thought process to answer this question, indeed, what advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? So with that question in mind, we're going to start with chapter two. So I am looking for a volunteer to read a few verses for me. 
Okay, let's go with Deborah Crown. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself. And behold, it too was futility. I said to laughter, it is madness and of pleasure. What does it accomplish? I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives. Thanks for that, Debbie. So, first thing Solomon tries is pleasure. And I'm sure uh, this is what the bulk of mankind is striving for. And he comes to the conclusion, what does it accomplish? But that last line where he says, he is exploring this question, looking for what good there is for the son of men to do in their lives while they're here. So now it's time for a question. What is the most impressive estate you've ever had a chance to visit? We'll take about 20 minutes, 20 seconds, not minutes, uh, and please reply over the chat area. Take it that it's not Baltimore. Biltmore, right. Oh, Monaco. Anybody else? I'm going to give you another second or two if you'd like to respond. Oh, another vote for the Biltmore. Okay. I went to Vatican too. Thank you. I'm not going to tell you uh, my story. So my wife and I were married in 1991, and we went to uh, Paris on our honeymoon for a few days. And while we were there, we took a uh, trip out to see the Palace of Versailles. And here are some images of it. And for me, this is, and I think my wife agrees, the most impressive estate that we've ever had a chance to visit. So now let's read about Solomon's palace. I'm looking for a volunteer to read a few verses from 1 Kings. Okay, we'll go with the Smith family. He built the house in the forests of Lebanon. Its length was 100 cubits and its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits on four rows of cedar pillars with cedar beams on the pillars. It was paneled with cedar above the side chambers, which were on the 45 pillars, 15 in each row. There were artistic window frames in three rows and window was opposite window in three ranks. The... Oh, man. Go away. I can't make it go away. Oh, okay. Sorry, technical difficulty. All right. The foundation was of costly stones, even large stones, stones of 10 cubits and stones of 8 cubits, and above were costly stones. Stones were cut according to measure and cedar. So the great court all around had three rows of cut stone and a row of cedar beams, even as the inner court of the house of the Lord and the porch of the house. Thank you for that. I imagine you've never had to say the word cedar so many times in a short reading. Let's also read about Solomon's estate. I'm looking for another volunteer to read. Okay, we'll go with Steve. Verses four and eight. Ecclesiastes two, verses four and eight. I enlarge my works. 
I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself, and I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had homeborn slaves. Also, I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also, I collected for myself silver and gold in the treasure of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men, many concubines. Thank you for that. So when you combine Solomon's palace with the description of his estate, I dare say we would say Solomon had everything one could possibly have in this world from a materialistic point of view. And what conclusion did Solomon come to after considering pleasure and his estate? Looking for a volunteer to read. Okay, Dell. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart was pleased because all of my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted. And behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Thank you for the reading. Solomon is not bragging when he said anything he desired and anything his heart wanted, he could try because he was that powerful and had that many options. And he still came to the conclusion that pleasure is simply vanity and striving after wind. So let's see what Solomon goes to next. He then talks about wisdom and folly. I'm looking for somebody to read a couple of verses from Ecclesiastes and also Ephesians. Let's go with uh, V&R Harvey. So I turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. For what will the man, the man do who will come after the king except what he has already done? And I saw that wisdom exceeds folly as light. Uh, as light excels darkness. The, the wise man's eyes are on his head, but the fool walks in darkness. For, who are, for, you who were, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Thank you for the reading. Uh, Solomon certainly is consistent with also from Proverbs about how much wisdom is better than folly. And when he talked about the light and darkness, it reminded me of this passage from Ephesians where also uh, light and darkness were contrasted and compared. However, what happens to both the wise and the foolish? Looking for somebody to volunteer to read. Okay, let's go with the fire tablet.
Okay, let's try Arnetta then. And yet I know that one fate befalls them both. Then I said to myself, as is the fate of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, this too is vanity, for there is no lasting remembrance of the wise man as with the fool, inasmuch as in the coming days all will be forgotten, and how the wise man and the fool alike die. For he sees that even wise men die, the stupid and the senseless alike perish. Thanks, Arnetta. As you see, Solomon takes a number of words to get to the point of both the wise or the fool dies, and in Psalm 4910, it's pretty short and straightforward. I'm now taking a quick look to see if uh, I'm using any attendees at this point of the lesson. Hopefully, you'll all stick with it because it does get better. Uh, good, the count is uh, still the same, so let's keep going. Okay, uh, I'm going to ask a question now, and I understand it uh, could be a little sensitive, so please only respond if you want to. Well, actually, we read, and then I'll be asking the question. So I'm looking for a volunteer to read this passage. Okay, Smith family, go ahead. So I hated life, for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous to me because everything is futility and striving after wind. And I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under the heaven, under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. Thanks for the reading. Uh, we see the, the second verse is actually from chapter one, yeah, but he repeats the idea that uh, life can be a grievous task under the sun. Uh, so now I'm going to ask the question, and again, only answer if you feel comfortable. Uh, what is a grievous task that you've had to perform? So please respond in chat. And uh, take about 20 seconds or so. Yeah. Okay, thanks for those who participated. Um, I'll tell you uh, two of mine. Uh, one was um, whenever there is a dead animal in our yard somewhere, be it a mouse or an opossum or, or something, uh, I'm left to deal with it. Nobody else will get near it. Uh, on a more serious note, uh, my brother died about six years ago, uh, suddenly without us really knowing what happened. And he was in Arizona and both my sister and I had to fly there. She's from California and just trying to piece together what happened. Uh, we couldn't find his car. Uh, we went to his home, we had to go through his stuff and uh, just going through his possessions and trying to contact who his friends were and what he was doing at the time. I'm sure many of us had to deal with that in some way, but uh, that certainly is not an enjoyable task. Okay, let's talk about inheritance. I'm looking for a volunteer to read a few verses. Okay, we'll go with Steve. Thus I hated all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun, for I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wiser man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the fruit of my labor for which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. 
Therefore I completely despaired all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun. Thank you. So earlier we had Solomon building his great palace and gardens and also thinking about wisdom and its conclusion is still all is vanity. So now I have a question for you. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about possessions and or inheritance. So if you can think of a parable, just briefly summarize in chat where Jesus talked about possessions or inheritance. I'll give you a little bit more than the 20 seconds. But just summarize, you don't have to give the whole, whole parable. Okay, I think many of you hit uh, on the ones I was thinking of, but of course, Ricky being the, the preacher hit the one that I was hoping somebody would hit. So I'm looking for a volunteer to uh, read a uh, passage for me. Okay, we'll go with uh, Del Meadows. Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Thank you for the reading. Uh, yeah, this was the parable I thought about, and Solomon mentioned in particular, everything he had done and put together, but he had no control of what would happen to it after he left this world. And Jesus, again, touched upon that in this parable and helping you consider what your focus should be on in the sense of being rich toward God. Looking for another volunteer to read a couple verses from a couple different sources. Okay, Jerry Young, we'll go with you. When there is a man who has labored with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, then he gives his legacy to one who has not labored with them. This too is vanity and a great evil. For what does a man get in all his labor and in his striving with which he labors under the sun? Because all his days, his task is painful and, and grievous. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is vanity. It is vanity for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Thanks, Jerry. So we see here the contrast about um, being so worked up about your labor, your task, that even at night your mind cannot rest. But in Psalm 127, we see that uh, God uh, grants... Uh, even when you're asleep, God is watching over you and taking care of you. So now my question for you, without looking it up, if you can, who wrote Psalm 127? 
and we'll take 20 seconds to see if you can respond in chat. Okay, this was just to check to see if anybody is paying attention to the previous lessons. Uh, indeed, Psalm 127 is one of the two uh, psalms that is associated with Solomon. Uh, time for another poll. We've just read Ecclesiastes, the first 23 verses. And my question for you is, what phrase or term came up the most often in the 23 verses? So the panelists will launch the poll, or the host, I mean. We'll give you about 10 more seconds if you want to respond. About five more seconds. Okay, please end the poll and share the results. And it is vanity in a landslide. Assuming I can count correctly though, I have to tell you that you are wrong. I believe under the sun actually appears more often in these 23 verses than uh, vanity, even though it was very close. And if I'm wrong about that, I apologize, and somebody can go check on me and let me know if I'm wrong. Okay, well, now we'll get to the last few verses of. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and another comment from Proverbs. So looking for a volunteer to read. Okay, let's go with uh, Harvey again. There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that it is from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? For to a person who is good in his sight, he has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, while to the sinner he has given the task of gathering and collecting so that he may give to one who is good in God's sight. This too is vanity and striving after wind. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Thank you for the reading. Um, I found interesting the, uh, the idea of the wealth of the sinner uh, being stored up for the righteous is mentioned in both of these. But also what I bolded there uh, probably the key question is who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him. So now for a question, what's the difference? Uh, both the good and the bad need to labor, gather, collect, survive in this world. So what's the difference between the two? Very interesting, Carrie, way of putting it. Give you a few more seconds if anybody wants to reply.
And I went back to what we just read, and I pulled out this small section. Um, we all have to work, but for those that are in his sight, he helps us keep perspective of what we're doing in this world, what is of value, uh, why we work, and what is considered joyful, which is very different than the world. So that is taking us through all of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And so we're going to end with something from 1 Timothy. So looking for a volunteer to read the final passage. Okay, Jerry Young. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, stirring up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Thank you, Jerry. So Solomon has one of the richest men ever to exist, and he learned that pleasure in things just was vanity and striving after wind. And here we have in First Timothy, Paul being inspired to write to us, about what true riches are and what one should do with one's riches. So that is the close of the class. I would like to ask a panelist to please uh, offer a closing prayer. Any panelist at all, or host even. Or we have a volunteer in Del Meadows, we want to go with Del Meadows. Let us bow our heads. Our kind and most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you at this hour, giving you thanks, Lord, for all the many blessings you've given us. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to have a reasonable part of our health, to be able to come together and worship you in one accord. Lord, we pray that the things that um, our brother spoke about this evening, uh, that we may be able to gather something from it to apply to our everyday lives. Lord, we ask that you continue to watch over our nation, continue to watch over uh, the entire world, Lord, as we continue to try to maneuver through these difficult times Lord, we know that we can depend on you for guidance and for understanding. Lord, we love you and appreciate all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good evening. This is Dee Morris. I'll be leading singing this evening as soon as we get the slides changed over. And we'll be singing from Praise to the Lord, number 530, Peace, Perfect Peace. Shall we sing? Peace, perfect peace. In this dark world of sin, the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Peace, perfect peace, by thronging duties pressed. 
to do the will of Jesus. This is manifest. Peace, perfect peace, with sorrow surging round on Jesus' bosom, not a calm is found. Peace, perfect peace, with loved ones far away in Jesus keeping we are safe and they peace perfect peace our future all unknown Jesus we know and he is on the It is enough, her struggles soon shall cease, and Jesus call us to hands perfect peace. The song of after the lesson that will be given by Bren White is number 653, The Way of the Cross. Hello? Hello? Yeah, um, I can hear you, Bryn. Okay, thank you. Um, so I'm ready to go? You're 100% up. Okay. Good evening. Um, we have a short devotional tonight, and uh, it's... Um, it's about uh, a passage that you know very, very well, and um, it's First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter thirteen, verse uh, four, six, and seven. And uh, we have um, been talking a little bit lately, and I've been writing um, articles about a life of love, and uh, so I just wanted to. Um, to share this with you tonight uh, and say a few things. Um, the passage says, love is patient and kind. Now, I'm thankful that you uh, were patient with me. I was having some uh, troubles with my uh, computer here. Um, love is patient and kind. It's the first thing that's talked about by Paul in this passage that describes God's kind of love, and you know how patient uh, and kind God has been uh, to you, um, and uh, it's the starting place. Uh, it's, it's the starting place for everybody who follows Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that we have in the love of Jesus Christ, uh, his laying down his life. Uh, it's the beginning of a life of patience and kindness. Uh, that's what it is meant to be. Um, he goes on and he says, this love uh, from God rejoices whenever the truth wins out. 
whenever uh, that which is uh, in the design of God, from the will of God, from the mouth of God, um, when the truth wins out, every single time uh, the truth wins out, um, love rejoices. So it's another connection between love and truth. Uh, we know that Jesus himself came to earth filled with uh, grace and truth. And uh, he is making a way for us uh, to walk in freedom um, because the truth that he brought to us um, it sets us free. And uh, so every time truth uh, wins out, uh, love rejoices. And, uh, and finally, in the NLT, it says, love never gives up. Uh, the kind of unfailing love that God gives to you and I is uh, unfailing. It is faithful. Uh, it brings a faithfulness. And uh, because Jesus is, is indeed the author and finisher uh, of our faith, uh, he brings to us this love that never gives up. And uh, the, the more that we learn the character of God and become more like Jesus in character uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, we learn this, that that the love of God never gives up. He does not give up on us. He is faithful to us. He reached out to us when we were not even paying attention and we were lost in sin. Uh, and um, so this love that has saved us uh, is, is meant to be patient and kind uh, and rejoices in when the will of God is done and uh, it never, ever gives up. It's depending on God uh, into eternity. And uh, for that reason, it is powerful and transformative. The love of God that saves us also transforms us. Well, that's just what I want to share with you tonight. I hope that that is helpful. Uh, if you haven't read uh, the bulletin article from last Sunday, uh might take a look at that on the website. Uh, there's another one uh, coming up uh, this Saturday night as well. So um, God bless you. And uh, I just be praying for you all the time about this, about our living a life of love together in the Lord. Thank you. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. I must needs go home in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights of life, where the soul is at home with God. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Then I bid farewell to the way of the world, to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come and I seek my home, where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. 
it is sweet to know as I onward go the way of the cross leads home. Good evening, church family. And once again, uh, uh, be mindful that if you have any prayer requests, uh, please send them to us at elders at laurelchurch.net. I hope you all are doing well. Uh, thank you, Brother Jeff, for today's Bible study tonight on the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, focus on chapter two. Uh, thank you, Brother D, for leading us in uh, those songs. And Brother Bryn for leading us in our Devo tonight, a life of love. Uh, let us together pray. Uh, Father God, uh, we just thank you uh, for this opportunity uh, to gather together tonight to study your word. Uh, we pray, oh Father, that you just continue uh, to touch us in a manner that we will apply your word to our lives and live accordingly. And we just thank you for being our God. Uh, may we continue to fix our hope on you, God, instead of worldly riches. Uh, may we continue uh, to do your will in all that we do. And Father, we definitely thank you for your patient love. We thank you for your unfailing love. And may we just continue to endure all things uh, by focusing on you, by maintaining our faith in you, O oh God, and may we just continue to 